Welcome to Hellbent for Metal, the podcast that was going home late at night. Suddenly we got a fright. We looked through a window and surprised what we saw. A fairy with boots on dancing with a dwarf. At least I thought it was that at first, and I just realised it was a cosplaying twink and a bear on his knees. <laughs> Which um, I'm sure is a, is a video somewhere. I'm sure that video exists on the internet. I'm sure that video was probably made in Brighton. <laughs> probably. And San Francisco, and New York, and, mm-hmm. and, and Hollywood, and, you know... Anywhere there are gay men and video cameras, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but enough of that. That's, we've started very not safe for work. Um, I normally only do that on, on specials, but Matt's not here, and I'm, I'm kind of feeling like uh, I, I'm not going to get to do a rude one this month if I don't. Also, I was really struggling for inspiration, and just went, Fairies Wear Boots by Black Sabbath. Yes, I can. there's a joke there, or three. Uh, I could have picked about any verse. This is Hellbent for Metal, the LGBTQ plus heavy metal podcast in partnership with NotFest. And I've misspelled LGBTQ plus in my notes. It's, it's quite e- an easy thing to spell and somehow I fucked it up. Uh, I'm Tom Dare, peace. And with me, as he was last week, is the man who has only been on the podcast for a week and yet has somehow already made Slayer trans. How did you manage that, Charlie Howard? Uh, I can do that with a lot of songs, I think. I hope so. That's what we're here for. <laughs> Also back for more is a man whose tolerance for ridiculous power metal rivals my own. Uh, But then I suppose if you do live in Stoke, escapism is probably not just necessary, but available on prescription. Uh, Am I right, Matt Dawson? Yeah, pretty much. I I know I said last week that the jokes about Stoke would start this week, and uh, and I thought I should stick to my word. Mm -hmm. If you make a promise, keep it. And I, I can't think of anything funny to say about Lemmy, because he was brilliant. And Hellfest did unveil this weekend a massive, big fuck-off statue of him. Yeah, I saw that, which I I was kind of, in a way, sad about, because the last time I saw... No, it wasn't the last time I saw Motor, but I saw Motorhead at Hellfest just shortly before he died. Um, And it was just really obvious that he was not a very well man, and I was kind of... I kind of, at that point, I started mentally preparing for life without Lemmy. So that's I. I'm always a bit sad about that association because that was the point. I that for me that that was the end of the Lemmy being amazing, and then it was kind of Lemmy be Ill, being ill and knowing he's not going to be there anymore. And it was mm. it was weird because it it wasn't all that long before that that I'd seen Motorhead and they were fucking amazing. Uh, it's Motorhead, but you know, even by their standards, that was a good show. Uh, anyway. Uh, we're going to begin this week with an In My Kingdom queer. This is where we speak to someone from the LGBTQ plus community who helps make metal happen. Uh, though this week I'm bending our rules slightly to hear from band who are part of the LGBTQ plus community but aren't strictly part of the metal scene. They do though have plenty of experience of playing to metal crowds and as such can probably offer insights into our scene that people more embedded in it might not be able to spot. The band are called Shooting Daggers and they're a I guess ferocious is the only word to describe them. A feminist, queer, core punk band from London. Uh, and I swear, the internet did not want this chat to happen because we had so many technical problems trying to get this recorded. We had one attempt that was just a complete write-off, like just a disaster of disconnects and things like that. And, and, and then this one where we actually managed to, to complete the conversation where we got, we started it and we finished it. Um, we kept suffering disconnects again. There was massive fucking delay. 
uh, and I could hear myself on delay. And I don't know if you've ever tried to talk while you can hear what you've just said a second later, but it is a very quick way to go completely mad and start slurring your words, talking drivel. So I hope that I've I've tidied up a lot of that. But if a bit of it creeps in, I'm really sorry. Uh, don't let it put you off, though, because Sal and Beer from the band have some really interesting stuff to say. So I'm Sal. I'm the singer and guitarist of Shooting Daggers. I'm B, a bass player and the backing vocals for Shooting Daggers. One of the reasons I was in so interested to talk to you was that you have an interesting perspective in that I know you've had lots of interaction with the metal scene, but obviously you come more from the hardcore scene. What's your experience about how the two scenes compare in terms of how welcoming they are to a band with a message like yours? They're both personally being welcoming to us, yeah. but probably it's more new to the metal scene, so they're more interested, probably. Yeah. Why in the punk hardcore scene there's been like these type of messages for decades, even though still not enough and not represented enough, but let's say that people are more used to political messages in the music. Yeah. Uh so they're still they're impressed but not at that impressed as the metal audience when they hear this type of music and topics that we talk about. So yeah, I think that's the difference mainly. It's just a more new thing in the metal scene. That's interesting. I'm, it, I will come to what you said, the most of what you said in a minute, because I am interested in that. But I'm also really interested that you said that even in the, the punk and hardcore scenes, there's not enough representation of uh, women and queer people. Because when my podcast started, we were mostly put in contact with people from the punk and hardcore scenes and trying to find queer people in metal was more difficult. Um, but I'm interested that you say that actually it's, even though it's, it might be better, it's still a problem there anyway, is that, could you, how does that manifest? How do you notice that representation is still something that isn't as far along as it should be? You just need to go to any general hardcore gig <laughs> and you're going to see the bill and you're going to notice, yeah. to be fair. <laughs> like, a lot of straight men. It's quite still. evident, you know. A lot yeah. of straight men, still. Yeah, and even though maybe it's more likely that you find queer people among the punk scene, I think it's still kind of put in a different category. It's not very well mixed with all the other hardcore bands. Like, for example, you can find a very good bill with mainly women playing, but they're kind of put all together. It's difficult to find a bill right. where there are, let's say, right. a beat-down hardcore band, DB band, power violence band, like heavy hardcore and punk with women as well. Like, I feel like the punk yeah, bands of women are more like, they have their own scene and their own gigs. They're not very well mixed, I feel. Yeah, and I feel like they're always, they're always opening the gig. If they are on the bill of, with all the alcohol bands, I feel like, yeah, they are here, but they are invited. 
in their scene, you know what I mean? They're not a part of it fully because they're not like headlining or just being, yeah, they're mixed, they're put aside as Bea mentioned. Yeah. In a way, it's kind of the case that you will have an um, an all women uh, stage or a gig, but you won't have a big bill where women are well represented but mixed in. Yeah, there are like some promoters. There are maybe women promoters or just queer that they're like very sensible, so they book band of queer people and women. But it's not something that all the promoter put attention to. Or like if they do, as as Sal said, they put that band to open their bill of men. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what we yeah. see normally. I see. How do you notice that the metal scene is more interested than, say, the, the punk and hardcore scene? is because it's newer for us to have you know, a band with a, a feminist and queer message like yours. How do you notice that that's, um, the, the metal scene is kind of going, oh, we're interested in this? So I think the metal scene is more interested in us because we've had really good feedback after we played a set. And I, we can tell also from the crowd, from how they react, that they're really impressed. They're really like, they, wasn't, they weren't expecting us to sound that heavy, which... Some people told us before and I think yeah for them it's unusual so it's a bit like more exciting. What kind of feedback have you been getting that's the that's, to, that's that positive? I'm interested to know what kind of things people are saying. They get a lot of feedback about like the anger that we bring to the stage like uh, pure like uh, riot and the way Sal sings I think like, in, for example, singers in metal, there are a lot of women, but they're more like either screaming or growling, or they're more like epic singing, while they're not used to this uh, very real way, shouting, shouting mm. way of singing, of course. And yeah, I think most, most of the energy and the fact that we play heavy music, because our hardcore is kind of, it's not... It's very influenced by metal as well, post-hardcore. So there is something in our music that a metal head can like. It's not like pure punk mm -hmm. that they're like, oh, this is not my genre. We have breakdowns. We have more riffs that, you know, someone that normally listens to metal likes. So I think that's why they're impressed by it. Because they probably don't normally listen to punk, but they, they listen to us, they're like, oh, actually, I might like it, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of both, a bit of metal, a bit of punk, a bit of... Post. Yeah, yeah. a bit of everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and if I think if you scratch any death metal fan, you'll also find a Discharge fan. So I think that I can see totally see where that would work. Has anyone said anything very positive about the message that you're putting out? Because obviously you're, you're banned with something to say. You're not You're not kind of... I use the death metal reference. You're not just singing about gore and nonsense. There is something very real to it. What are the responses you get about the messages that you're putting out? Like often we, after the set, the queer people come to see us 
and they're like, I'm so happy you finally talk about it because I'm trans and I feel like I can relate finally in this scene. I feel like I can take up this space and I feel like I can finally feel like I belong here. That's like the good feedback that we had, the best feedback that we had were from queer people or women that were like almost crying sometimes, <laughs> which yeah. is fucking mental. Because uh, they were like, I'm so happy that it's like we're finally a part of something. And I feel like when you are on stage singing that, I feel like this is where I belong. This is what I should do. This is where I should be. So that's the really, that's the best feedback that we had, I think. Yeah, I think, yeah, women and queer people are the ones that really appreciate our lyrics. They really all, maybe they just feel the need to come and tell us after, like, I really like that you talked about this and yeah I think like that like girl just saying come to say thank you to us and you're like oh <laughs> you know because maybe they just see us on stage and they think they can make it as well you know that's mainly the good feedback that we receive normally yeah, yeah. which is good because that's what we want to be fair we are not seeking male validation so that's that's good yeah yeah you know it's 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 amazing that people are saying things like that because like it's something that we in a specific more in a specifically kind of gay male perspective we've been speaking about for a while is that we kind of we don't really get to see ourselves represented in this thing very often and when we do it's kind of this magic moment so i can really empathize with that audience who's coming to see you and seeing that that message do you ever get messages from i'm we're basically talking about straight cis men well probably gay cis men as well to an extent who, who say things like actually you've made me think because ultimately men are the in a lot of the things straight men are often the problem sometimes gay men as well but like we're the ones who need to learn. <laughs> no. Do does anyone kind of say that they do? Yeah, it happened that some cis men came to, came to tell us that we were like that was important, and they yeah because they they want everybody to be included in the mm. scene. So they were, yeah we had some positive feedback from them as well, but I don't think our lyrics is for for cis men or cis white men in the in the scene anyways like it's not meant for to educate them yeah is yeah it's not meant for to educate them it's just meant for queer women mm. to take power yeah. yeah yeah plus i feel like yeah when cis men normally come for us to talk to us after a gig is normally more about oh i really liked your set you're really heavy, I really like your energy. They don't often say, oh, your message is very important. I really need to take that home with me. Like, it's more, as we said, it's more like queer women that come for a feedback about our message. But at, anyway, at the end of the set, if some cis men approach us, it's normally about telling us that they liked our set, that they like our energy and our music. They don't often talk about our message. So I would say that Maybe, yeah, they listen to it and they're gonna think about it, but I'm not sure, like, uh, we don't get that type of feedback normally from men, just about... It happens sometimes, but yeah. it's kind of rare. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
but also like during a gig you maybe don't even understand the words i don't know but i don't know <laughs> yeah hardcore vocals can be a little bit hard to understand even if they're really good in fact sometimes the best hardcore vocal is the one you can't understand at all, at all. <laughs> i agree do you kind of feel that metal is ready to like have women take power take the power they should because i kind of wonder if there's a little bit of growth needed first from the scene from your interaction with it do you feel it's ready i think it depends on what kind of metal but yeah i think there's some some genre of metal that are not ready for it at all and i think there are some others that are almost already there like they just yeah and i think the majority is is getting there there are just some niche some genres that yeah actually i don't want to i don't want to name any because i don't know it enough i don't know the scene enough but i'm pretty sure there are some subgenres that are not ready for it yet and they were probably there probably is a lot of um toxic masculinity still my experience of talking to queer women in metal is that they talk more about misogyny than they do about homophobia or biphobia if they're trans then it becomes a much more complicated picture but if if we're specifically talking about queer cis women it seems like metal is less friendly on the women bit the queer bit is that an experience you'd recognize Mm, I actually don't know if they are less friendly towards women than queer people. I feel like it can be a, basically pretty much at the same level. But I feel like for us, we talk more about misogyny and stuff like that than than like queerness. Yeah, we talk more about femininity, I guess, or like just yeah, misogyny in general and patriarchy more than being gay. Mm. We just we talk about being outcasts, not not about being gay specifically. I think. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm not in the metal scene enough to or know if they are more uh, reluctant to accept queer people than women. What I noticed though is that for our experience, for example, in interviews so far. Um, we've been asked more about our message and they talk about more about us being women than actually um, talking about the music that we do which is a bit annoying sometimes because um, yeah I would like them to even if it's maybe a bad feedback but I, I'd rather them to talk more about the music than just the fact that we are women you know what I mean yeah. But it depends on yeah. the interview, but yeah. So I think I think yeah, I think they're ready, but they need to really start allowing women to be a musician as anyone else, not as a, a woman that does metal. They need to start recognizing women as musicians, as a people. And that is gonna take a long time, but also in the punk scene I think. It's gonna yeah. take a long time. But punk can't even play themselves, that's a joke. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On that very uh, f funny note, I think 
I will um, say thank you very much, Sal Beer. The listeners don't know this, but we've been fighting appalling technical problems to try and get this interview recorded. So thank you both for battling incredibly bravely against internet gremlins. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> you, you actually, thank you. I think you struggled a bit more than us. So. Uh, well, I, uh, yeah, but th- th- that's kind of my job. You could have said, no, no just, this is too much like um, a nightmare. This is some kind of Frank Kafka play in the 21st century. <laughs> Thank you, Beer. Thank you, Sal. Shooting Dagger's new EP, Athemies, is out now. We'll have an In My Kingdom queer as soon as possible from someone else who makes uh, metal happen from the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, Don't forget, if you're someone who that describes, so if you're from the queer community and you help make metal happen, however you actually do it, please do get in touch. You can obviously DM us through any of our socials, or you can email show at hbfm.co.uk. Okay. Uh, now, though, does anyone fancy a cooling tipple in the warm weather? Me? Yeah. <laughs> we veer casually into the Hate Crew gay bar, hoping none of the staff who were here for the Viking Horn party last week are still working, because uh, I don't think I could look any of them in the eye. Um, also, I said let's come in for a, a tipple because the warm weather. Uh, sod's law, by the time this episode goes out, the beautiful sunshine that's outside now will have faded and it will be pissing down with rain because oh. we live in Britain oh, and that's how it, it will works. be. It'll be pissing down like it did on Saturday night. Yeah, it rains on everyone's day off. That's just the rule. <laughs> um, you know, all know what's going on here, so I'm just going to crack on. Uh, Matt, what have you got for the jukebox this week? I have brought in Creator and their newest album, Hate Uber Alice, a nice slice of uh, a nice slice of flashy goodness, or a nice slice of flashy goodness, whatever you want to put it. Um, Let's call the I, whole thing off. <laughs> well, I thought I'd bring something in that was a bit more cheerful this week after last week, essentially, and the whole ooh moment. That of... doesn't narrow it down mo- much. <laughs> but yeah, cre- I um. I guess to put it in a joking way, I'm the Matt that kind of likes Creator a lot. <laughs> especially... You can stay. <laughs> especially with the... Um, I got more into them with Phantom Antichrist era, and then as soon as I knew they were bringing out a new album, it's like, right, this is going on the playlist for me. And I have to love the fact that essentially you have an intro that pays tribute to the guy that made uh, the original Django movies at the beginning. So... Spaghetti Western style stuff. You've got a song in Midnight Sun that is basically Midsummer, but if it was a thrash metal song. And Pride Comes Before the Fall, which lyrically has some of the best lyrics I think I've heard this year. And is maybe a potential to be a bit more a more aggressive side by side kind of track. I don't know. Let's not spoil where we're going with that for any any future episode, but um, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I know it's that one too. Uh, mm-hmm. I should you mentioned Phantom Antichrist? I went to the listing party for Phantom Antichrist in Germany, and there is a picture of me. Like, I think I'm not sure how much of this I can disclose because there was this, there was a certain amount of drunken misbehaviour. But there, there was another band <laughs> there who 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 were largely responsible for getting quite a lot of, of the press little bit pissed um and there is a picture of me obviously having had a few quite late in the late in the day 
uh, in an Ultra Plagues t-shirt with kind of Miller Petrozza's hand on my shoulder, and I'm kind of pointing at him going, it's Miller Petrozza! And I'm just looking <laughs> incredibly starstruck, because I was just like, it's Miller Petrozza! You did extreme aggression and, and, and pleasure kill, and all of a sudden my voice is breaking! Um, <laughs> that album's fucking brilliant. Though. Yes. Like, it, 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 there's a lot of modern creator that's really, really good. Uh, but that album was excellent. Uh, before I say what I think about the new one, though, um, Charlie, are you already a creator fan, and are you into this? Um, I haven't really listened to much creator. My only exposure to them was when they played Floodstock. Was that last year? Yes. Must have been mm. last year, yeah. But I I really like this, actually. it's It kind of does what I, wanted, what I was expecting it to do, but it, that's good. That's what I wanted. What was it you were hoping it would do? Because like, I think what I want to do and what other people want from creator isn't necessarily always the same. Well, because I didn't, I didn't really know them that well, I was just expecting some kind of like good, trashy songs. Um, I just kind of thought it was interesting because lyrically, I, it was not quite what I was expecting, but I did like it for the most part. Because a lot of people think they listen to creator and expect them to still sound like pleasure to kill. And they're a lot more melodic than I think they get credit for. Like you listen to the lead guitar, lead lines, and they listen to Iron Maiden, right? They, they're, they're clearly fans of the new wave of British heavy metal, and it's it shows. And so that does show, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. They're way more tuneful than like a lot of the thrash bands who just kind of just go on the bottom string incredibly quickly and play songs at two hundred and ten BPM and think that that's good enough. Um, I love Creator, and I'm really glad you brought this on because I wanted to bring it on last week, but I only had one pick, and that Kardashev record is just kind of amazing. So I kind of I had no choice; that was coming on. But I really wanted to talk about this because this really good Creator record. <laughs> I it's it's a bit less melodic than I was expecting. Actually, I kind of want more me- melody with Creator rather than the kind of really nasty stuff because I think. There are a lot of bands who can do really nasty thrash, but not there aren't very many bands who can do nasty thrash as melodic and uh, well as Creator can, um, without kind of just neutering it and it sounding like, I suppose without just sounding like Annihilator, just less shreddy, because that's kind of what Annihilator are, are great at. I think I don't think it's necessarily one of their like best latter day ones. I think it's really really good, but I think Gods of Violence is still kind of the high watermark of of yeah. their. 21st century output that album i mean i'm not just saying that because side by side's on there which is obviously a song that has a certain amount of um importance to this podcast but i i think this is really good and it's got some songs that will be really 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 good live and that's kind of the all that really matters is is it good do i if they start playing these songs live am i going to be going yes i think so yeah definitely Frederick as well making a good day de- recorded debut as well with the band because Monsieur Leclerc, oui. yes, his his debut album as the bassist and I thought he did great on it. Yeah, he sounds killer. Biggest Morbid Angel fan I've ever met, Frederick Leclerc. Leclerc. Really, really like expert, massive fan, um, and yeah, has been in some quite melodic bands. Mm. Um, what do we? Th- you mentioned Midnight Sun. What do we think of that? As a song, uh, I quite like it a lot. I quite like the fact that they were just like, 
here, we're going to have, we're, this is one of those where we're going to have clean vocals and then, oh, shit, it's a gym, like an Italian pop singer, I think, doing the soprano type vocals on it, which I thought was a very nice touch. Uh, German, I believe, but yeah, yeah. Def- definitely a pop musician. Because um, I thought that was kind of a gamble right. and went, yeah. this could be, because I heard that, that that was on the album before I actually heard the album and went, mm, this could be really, really good. It could be really, really poo because sometimes people try things and it doesn't work. Mm. Um, I kind of think it's a rare case of it being neither. I think it's just kind of there. I thought it was fine and that was it. Yeah, yeah I agree with you tom i i the only note i wrote about that song was the extra vocals are a bit eh yeah it's just kind of, it's fine um i think some of the other songs though are brilliant like pride comes before the fall and dying planet at the end are fantastic demonic future's good uh i thought strongest of the strong is fucking fantastic um yes. and obviously the title track is you know it's better than california uber alice so that's you know um, that's actually not yeah. saying very much. I don't. Th- um, I like the Dead Kennedys, but that's not a particularly fantastic song by their standards. I I really think that there are some cracking songs on there, but strongest of the strong, I, th- I just heard and went, and that's the best song in the album, mm. and it's very unlikely yeah. they'll be able to touch it. Hey, Uber Alice by Creator has been entered into the jukebox. Gate crashing the Hate Crew Gay Bar from his travels around festivals, pretty much everywhere. Um, by the magic of pre-recording is Matt Rushton, who you might remember he's been on the show a few times. Uh, <laughs> he is here because he insisted on one album going into the jukebox while he's away, uh, which is out what well, came out last week. Uh, Matt, what has made you demand a return earlier than planned by ma- the magic of digital time editing? Well, most or a lot of people listening will uh, not be surprised at this at all, but White Ward's new album is out called False Light, their third Wait, do, album. do you like them? I do quite like you them. You should have said. Are, I think they're quite a good band. Um, yeah, their the second album, Love Exchange Failure, is my favourite album ever, of all time. So I don't really know where to start with this. Um, Saying what it sounds like would be a good start, because I, oh, a, right, lot of, yeah, a lot of people maybe. don't know White Ward. <laughs> okay, so... It is based in blackmail. There's a lot of jazz. There's a lot more trumpet on this one than the last one. But there's oh, weird trumpet. things as well. There's a lot of trumpet here. Yeah. Oh, that's why I don't mind it. mind that sound. Carry, sorry, carry on. Okay, because it's not the saxophone. Yeah, um, but they they sort of bring in a lot of. There's a lot of guests on their albums because they do sort of a lot of different things with them. Like the second, the first track here is just the black metal and jazz thing. The second track caught me well off guard the first time I heard it because. It's mostly an acoustic song with someone who has like the deepest fucking voice I've ever heard. He's not in the band. They have an actual saxophonist in the band, but there's like a guest vocalist that comes in for like four of the seven songs. But I just think, you know, that Love Exchange of Love Exchange Failure started with like four minutes of like sort of sirens and it sounded like a sort of you know, New York City at night type thing. Um, but this is a different vibe. It's not like that noir vibe but they do still create an atmosphere so fucking well, like in, in the intro to the first song and everything, and then this monolithic guitars come in and the sax, and you've got the dueling leads. Like, I think they're so good at bringing in stuff, because you get a lot of moments over the album where like everything drops out, and then something comes back in, like, you know, the, the I mean, the vocals, like, the he's this guy, uh, Vitaly, I think his name is, is, like, one of my favourite black metal vocalists ever, because... This, you can just hear like all the 
agony and the sort of anguish in his voice. But yeah, I mean, do I think it's as good as Love Exchange Failure? I don't fucking know. It's going to take me a long time to figure that out. But what I will say is it's going to be high up, if not number one on my albums on the air list, predictably. Tom, are you going to break my heart? Oh, no, of course not. No, of course not. The, I, we had a conversation, like, because you heard this before me, and we knew we were going to have to do this quite a long time in advance of the album coming out because you were going to be away. And I and you went, oh, good luck getting you know up to speed on this in time. So I was kind of expecting that they had gone a bit avant-garde in the same way that... Um, John Lennon used to speak about avant-garde being, you know, French for bullshit. And I thought I thought this was just going to be an absolutely unintelligible mess and they had gone from being a, a band who are kind of probably what you'd call the bleeding edge of extreme metal rather than necessarily sticking to any particular subgenre, but still have songs, right? They still do songs and you can still kind of discern what's going on. It's not just like this confused clusterfuck. Um, and I was worried that they had gone and made it into a confused clusterfuck, and it isn't. Like, there's, okay, there's quite a lot going on, there's an unusual mix of, of styles on occasion, but, like, yes, there is a lot going on, but a lot of the stuff that they're vibing off is stuff that has been done a bit elsewhere, even if it hasn't necessarily all been done together. So yeah. the kind of, the, the, the techie, proggy black metal with references to jazz and a saxophone is something that Ishan was doing a decade ago, so that's kind of... Um, before the, the the Faust return and everything soured, in my opinion, about him, about him slightly. So that was kind of expected. The, the kind of the technical stuff with Deathspell Omega, I was desperately racking my brains to who, because the opening is very Deathspell, but kind of technical. And I went, who's that? Does that remind me of? And I went, that sounds like Asia's Oblivion a little bit, but more black metal than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, there's the, the, the bits where they suddenly decide to go kind of gothy or post-punky. Like, I'm like, yeah, okay, but that's been cool in metal for eight or nine years now, because I think it's safe to say this band, like, Beast Milk, as much as we do, do right? Um, well, that's, like, that's a new thing. That's a completely new thing. Like, when that first came in... I know it is, but it's people have been using that in black metal for quite a long time now. The kind no, of no, thing. definitely. But, like, I mean, for this band specifically, because that, that's been nowhere yeah. in their previous discography. They've had two albums and quite a lot of, like, EPs, demos, or whatever, and that just caught me well off guard when that comes in on phoenix out of absolutely nowhere just got a massive fucking grin on my face like it's really cool how they've implemented it yeah it is i got the grin on my face and i really enjoy it and it, but that's what i kind of mean is that everything they do kind of makes sense really like you yeah. might not expect it but because because they aren't doing something which is totally mad right it's kind of it's it's inventive and it's interesting they're putting things together you haven't necessarily heard in that context but they're not going so off piece they've lost the ability to do something you can discern like you can still at least get the emotional connection to it really easily it's really quite natural feeling album even if it's incredibly clever right so mm. that's why i kind of was a bit surprised that you thought it was going to be that hard to take in because yes it's it is very complicated and i don't think we're going to realize how good this thing actually is for about six years or so right but i can still listen to it in one go and go oh that's cool Oh, I like that a lot. And like the only thing, genuinely, the only thing that I found slightly kind of, I need a couple of listens to get used to that was the really deep um, singing, which sounds a bit like Crash Test Dummies from the nineteen nineties, who you probably haven't heard of. They had one; they were a genuine one-hit wonder, as far as I remember. I think who had I a hit? Know it. It. 
They had a hit in about 1994 called Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That. And it's Canadian bands. Canadian one-hit wonders was a thing in the 90s. It's, it's thankfully gone out of popularity now, as far as I can tell. But, of course, this rules. Like, it's great. It's very good. I love the way that they implement the jazz as well, because, like you said, it, you know, Sean was doing it fine, but there are a lot of bands who try it, and most of them fail. Like, it doesn't yeah, work no, for that's them. that's true. And just everything about this like the guitar tone is wicked because they do solos and like they're good solos but they're not like showy or anything as well which i always appreciate some of the parts have such a like swing to them as well and then the sax will come in and it just all locks in together what is your opinion on the sax of this album because we know that you're not massively a fan of that usually i i wouldn't say it's doing an awful lot for me as an instrument but I like what they're using it for, if that makes sense. I would prefer it if it was a different instrument playing that particular melody. Okay. okay. Just because I don't like the sound of the saxophone. But that's a really, like, that's a purely personal taste thing. I yeah. reckon if you used a clarinet to pick a not a dissimilar instrument, I would like that a lot more. Or if you picked it to a yeah, jazz instrument, if, you, if that was played more on the trumpet, I think that would mm. be... I mean, I'm not... But that's that's so... That's, to, to say that that was a problem for me would be so nitpicky and would f to require me to kind of lose sense of the broad thing because ultimately that's a texturing thing right that's there to enhance the overall picture it isn't the star of the show it isn't you know it's not like having a singer whose voice you don't like mm. which in a band which is all about the vocals or, or yeah. you know, significantly about the vocals. The, the, it's part of a, a whole, much to, to a sufficiently kind of minor extent, that the saxophone being there to me is really not a problem. It's huh? it's the fact that the it's the fact that fucking guitars are so good and the vocals are so good and yeah. the melodies are so good and the you know the the emotional journey they take you on and the fact they do jerk you into a direction you don't expect but when you get there you go mm. oh no that makes total sense like that's the thing that's clever right is that they do something that you probably didn't see coming but when it comes in you go yeah, yeah that, that works that. yeah um just talking of vocals by the way the uh lead singer is called andre not vitally vitally is the guy that the guest who comes in and does the cleans who i also think is fucking great um yeah i know what you were just saying about like how you sort of don't expect them to do something but then it makes sense like there are loads of sort of changes of pace and then they go like super fast with like they bring in blast beats a couple of times it again it just doesn't seem like it would work but they just make it chronos chronos which is the one that sort of starts like in that post-punk sisters of mercy type thing and then it sort of goes all gajira like for a little bit it's insane the title track itself starts for the first few minutes like full lounge vibe like there's no at all it's like literally loud jazz and then i mean i will say i don't think you need to have a three minute outro to that song and then an actual three minute outro piece but oh i might disagree a... with you there i oh, really liked, okay. i really liked the outro to both that song and i mean I, it, okay. don't get me wrong if it had carried on any longer that might have been a problem mm. but i really really liked the outro because it made it feel like it was ending and i kind of feel like the song it wasn't that the the outro to the to uh, final light is really good, like. But I think if that had the album had finished there, it might have felt a little bit unfinished. So I totally understand why they did that. It just kind of needed something to round the journey out, and I actually think that outro piece works really well. And sorry, my dog is moving around and being an arsehole and spoiling <laughs> what really positive little record. 
But you, like, of course, I understand why this, why you love this so much. This is great. Okay, I'm yeah, I'm really relieved. <laughs> I'm really relieved. Like I don't know, like you said, well, no, you did say uh, that this is like a pre-record. The main show that we've just did, done, you've sort of my album you didn't like very much. So I'm I'm uh, I'm very glad that this one has uh, not gone that same way. Well, I'm glad I could like assuage your fears and you know be well, not quite equally as positive as you. I don't think anyone could be, but uh, resoundingly positive about False Light by Whitewood, which is bloody excellent uh, and has been entered into the jukebox. And with that, Matt has slunk off again, probably to schmooze in the media section of some festival somewhere in you know, the Netherlands or. Belgium or or Finland or I oh, fuck knows where he's gone, but there'll be alcohol and he'll have more most of it. This is true. Charlie, your pick this week is giving me the impression you might be a fan of old carcass and old cannibal corpse. Uh, am I close with that assessment? Yes, uh, very close. Um, yeah, uh, we've got it's time to rise from the grave by Undeath. So just a big fat slab of death metal. Or is it, it's time to rise from the grave? Is that how we're saying it? Because there's yeah. an ellipsis in the middle, and I'm not sure it, how we're supposed to be saying it. I mean, probably more growly than I said it, but yeah. A, a gap in the middle. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just, I, that's just allowing us loads of fun opportunities to kind of fuck around with the name a bit. Not because I'm not taking the piss, I actually quite like it. No, it's, it's, it's silly. Like, yeah. yeah. It's death metal, that's the point, right? Exactly. <laughs> I don't want death metal that's smart. I want it to be <laughs> kind of dumb, obvious, and, fun. and over the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think if anyone were, were, had not worked out that an album called Undeath, it's time to rise from the grave, uh, was going to be a death metal record, <laughs> they probably weren't all that familiar with like all the signposts because it's basically saying this here. This is for death metal fans. If you like death metal and death metal, you will like this because it's death metal, right? It, it's there are there's no kind of um, prefix to that that, that subgenre is not going to float. Well, it's sort of melodic, sort of technical. No, it's death metal. Um, Matt, where are you on this? Funnily enough, the thing you just said about Carcass and Cannibal Corpse was literally the first note I had written down for this record. Yeah. Uh, but I also think, in a way, it could be seen as a gateway record for maybe new fans of the genre to get into. Yeah, there's quite a lot of bands like that knocking around at the moment who, are, who, if you're not really familiar with it, mm. could be kind of ways in. And and the, like young bands who are good, like Skeletal Remains, Two Mold, bands like that, who are, I think there are a load of people who like Frozen Soul as well. I was a bit kind of more on the fence about that one. But there's okay. oh, Gatekeeper. There's one. Yes. Um, there's yes. a really good say one. Gate Creeper, yeah. Like they, there are that there is this generation of really fucking good, mainly American. I know, it's two mods Canadian, right? Um, really kind of accessible, but sticking within the generic conventions. They're not doing the kind of out the gates thing of saying we're going to have loads of melodies. It's, it's still foul. Yeah. Um, so I can see that. Yeah. And also with them, what I quite like is. That straight off the bat, it's like first track, necro cannibalism. Okay, we know what we're going to get from here, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is going to be subtle and um and serious and we're realistic. Going to write subtle songs with titles like <laughs> "Fiend for Corpses" and "Head Splattered <laughs> in Seven Ways." 
and also the and also the videos that they've done for the record. If that doesn't give you any clue that they're just pure visceral death metal, I don't know what will. <laughs> I have not seen any of those. Oh, we'll go look at them later. <laughs> Are we going to lose you for the rest of the podcast? Because you're just going to be on your phone watching those videos <laughs> in the background. I, I remember, I remember watching a Twitch streamer doing a like a new music thing, and they couldn't show the on Earth video of Head Splitting Seven Ways because I of wonder the why. <laughs> I can't, I can't imagine why that would be the case. Yeah, <laughs> like nope, can't show this. You just have to listen to it. Look it up in your own time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the nature of Twitch is that because it's like it is, it's always daylight somewhere. They can't just have a watershed. Yeah, it's like well, now we can show all the naughty stuff, um, gore, porn. Now we're well. In fact, no, there's certain Ramstein videos you just never show anywhere outside of literal porn sites. Um, mm. <laughs> even in quite permissive parts of the world, they're still going, and that's too far. Um, I have a slightly funny thing with this in that I'm a death metal fan who who isn't really an undeath fan uh, because this kind of really old school putrid sepulchral filth isn't necessarily my thing. It's I generally like it either less foul and slimy unless it's got more slow bits. So either just like slow death metal or really or doomy bits. Hmm. I kind of want to feel more sharp edges. So I'm always someone who's going to be way more into, like, I guess I'm always going to be more into Suffocation than I am the old Cannibal Corpse records, and I'm always going to be more into new Cannibal Corpse records than the old ones. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I want some, I want to notice when, like, one of the hooks catches me rather than have it kind of surrounded by mulch. Um, this is deliberately making you feel, think of, like, rot and swamps and decay and just kind of scrunge and horror which if you like that this is going to sound fucking amazing um the problem is i'm i'm not really one of those people Uh, if if you're one of the people though who's into sanguisugabog and uh, if it at least would be if it wasn't for that dreadful fucking snare sound i can totally (laughs) see why you i'm not i don't want to shit on people but i'm sorry there's no excuse for that snare sound for any reason like just because Metallica did it once doesn't mean that you know everyone who hates it's an angle was wrong all of a sudden because we we're not it's still no. horrible noise yeah yeah because I can't put into words what that is what is it Charlie that you're getting out of it that's making me go I like this uh, all the words that you just said slimy and rotten and grim and mulchy I like death metal that sounds like that. I mean, I like other kinds, but I really like death metal. It just sounds like the gross part of a horror film, basically. All of the gross head-splattering bits. Whereas I want the scary bit of a a sci-fi or, or like, fantasy movie. I want want Nile. I want the bits in, like, The Mummy, where um, Imhotep is about to, like, destroy everything. That's what I want my death metal to be like. It's more more sandy than muddy. No Scorpion King showing up then in this. <laughs> no, no, particularly no. not. See, C- <laughs> no one wants the rock CGI'd. <laughs> oh, that was bad. That, that was, was really bad. bad. Also, that kid could not act in the second film. Like, absolutely could not <laughs> act out of his way. His way out of the paper bag. Um, which is is kind of a problem if you give them that many lines. And um, and do we ignore Rise of the Dragon Emperor totally? 
I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that's a yes. Yeah, that's definitely a yes. <laughs> yes we, we pretend that doesn't exist. And I would totally, I, I would like Brendan Fraser to be back in films. Like, I know the reasons why he wasn't, and they're horrific. And mm. I completely understand if he doesn't want it. But if he were to come back, I thought he was a great leading man. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, it's time to rise from the grave by and death has been added to the jukebox, uh, showing exactly what kind of death metal I actually do like. Uh, my pick this week is a technical death metal record. Now, long-term listeners might think that oh, I'm just doing this because Mr. Rushton isn't mincing around the place complaining that the beer isn't so hoppy it's been mistaken for a frog. Because um, <laughs> he actually likes this one. Like, he was kind of annoyed that he wasn't going to be here to talk about it because it was totally going to have been a joint pick. And if you don't believe me, ask him on Twitter, he'll tell you. Um, the band are called Exocrine, and I was actually a fan of them from their last album before this, the, the new one came out. Uh, but having heard the new one, which is called The Hybrid Sons, I am a much bigger fan now because they've managed to straddle the line between brutal enough to smash my teeth into powder, and yet they still actually have songs partially because they do have plenty of melody, despite the fact that it's really brutal in places. Um, or, alternatively, you can just switch your brain off and float along on the torrent of blast beats. Uh, and I'm hoping that at least one of you might agree with one of those two reasons to like it. Any takers? I personally am a big fan of technical kind of metal anyway. So this is right up my street. What I do like is they've managed to combine, as you say, the blast beats with the guitar. I don't want to say guitar wankery, so I'll say guitar noodling instead. <laughs> There's a lot of kind of intricacy on the fretboard, isn't there? It's yeah. not just kind of we're going to chug away for a little bit. It, it's not just them going, what can we do now? It's not uh, Vader. <laughs> oh. One of my two favourite death metal <laughs> records, but there is no way that Vader is, is anywhere near as complicated as this. But yeah, it, it's not. It's it manages to, to straddle the line very well to the point where it's not doing that thing what tech metal can do, which is just like, let's just mess around on the guitar for five minutes and see if anyone notices. Yeah, it's not sterile. Like tech mm. tech death can be so kind of sterile where it's just this kind of flat wall of notes where there's there's no real feeling to it, and this this actually sounds like it's being played by a human who's got emotions and feelings and is trying to make you have some too. Yeah, there's loads of feelings in this. I feel like it's a bit, um, it's one of those records where I can kind of imagine like some kind of movie playing over it. It's very cinematic in places. Yes, very much so. It's yeah. very atmospheric and kind of grandiose, I think is, is a good word. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of flicking through my internal thesaurus. <laughs> I read too many books when I was a kid, leave me alone. Same. Same. <laughs> I spent more time reading than playing with friends. And, and can can you tell? <laughs> um, I also think that this is really fun, which I know I've said a lot, but that's kind of that's crucial for Death Battle. If it's not fun, I generally don't find it that entertaining. I can't really listen to it for that long. It's got to be doing. So if it's not fun, it's got to be doing uh, doing something I really really love. Other than that, otherwise I'm gonna go. Yeah, well, uh, there's there's other things to be to getting on with. Whereas this, I just kind of switch on and go, oh, oh, here we go. This is like you know, twenty first century. Well, I was about to say twenty first century cryptopsy. Cryptopsy made some fucking good records in the twenty first century, but it's like, it's people who've grown up on cryptopsy and gone, how can we make that more brutal and more technical and still be that good? Well, it's not more brutal actually. 
There's a lot of things that it's very good at. It's not more brutal cryptopsy. It's very, very technical, and it's very kind of noodly. It's quite progressive, I guess. That's yeah. fair. I did write progressive slash tech stuff on my notes. Yeah, but when it comes to the progressive side of things, Burning Sand, I feel, definitely does that, at least for the first half. Is that the one that's got like the kind of Spanish guitar? Yeah, it's the one with the Spanish guitar at the beginning. Well, yes, near the end. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that I agree with that. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, obviously, some of it is just kind of death metal. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't all have to be you know Rush influenced, but I, I do. I do kind of feel that they there is more here than just kind of here's a riff, here's a chorus, here's a solo, here's the end, right? Like it does, it does appear to be a bit more interesting stuff going on in the structures. Oh god, this suits me. It's so fun. It's so fun and so like ridiculously over the top and noodly and widdly and you know sliding up and down strings and uh, look at me, I can play very fast and you know all that time that I spent reading, they spent practicing guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, um, I'm very sorry, Exocrine. Anyway, The Hybrid Sons by Exocrine has been entered into the jukebox. Uh, and while we will have more new music for you next week, for now, that is Tonk at the Hate Creek Gay Bar. Because Exocrine are French, isn't it? We finish, as you would expect, on a camp classic. This is where we take a look at a work of metal that spoke to us as quiz and explain why. And this week we're looking at Call Me Little Sunshine by Ghost, taken from their latest album, Impera, which came out earlier this year and was unanimously entered into the jukebox and HGVs. First things first, as always, what do we think of Ghost? Start with Matt. Love Ghost. Uh, been a Ghost fan. Essentially. It's the right answer. I don't want to sound like, what's it, but I've been kind of a Ghost fan since Lee Dorian basically introduced us to them, the world to them with uh, Opus. Are you not going to be uh, one of the people who said, I remember from um, Fenris's blog when we got introduced to them. There are those people who, uh, uh, who were just like, yes, it was. I was introduced to them by Fenris. Cause Fen- there was a period where F- like Fenris was the doyen mm. of the underground, and he was just like, any new band you heard about from Fenris first, seemingly. Um, and, and now it was like way more reliable than <laughs> all the so-called kind of curators. Um, and, and Ghost, I think, were one of them. Yeah, and now you have to now you have to pay on Patreon for it, order to know what he's into because that's the way he does it now. Fenris is it fair enough? Yeah. It sounds like work. Yeah, yeah. I think he does it like twice a month or something. Now that I think that's what he does now. But uh, yeah, absolutely love them. Been a big fan since day one with them. I will admit though, there's one song on this new album that I'm not the biggest fan of that just never clicked with me, and it's Twenties. I don't know why. Every other song on the album clicks. 20s, for some reason, doesn't. It's because it's weird. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people have had mixed opinions about this one, but then, especially when it first came out, because they put it as a single, which is weird mm. as a single. Yeah, it was an odd choice. But I, I like the song. I, do, I love the fact that it's bonkers. Yeah, I really like it now. Took me a few listens. Yeah. And I keep calling it "Call Me a Little Starshine" in my head for some reason half the time. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm trying to see if there's a dirty joke there, and I don't think there is, and I'm really annoyed at myself. <laughs> I think it's because that "Good Morning Starshine" bit from that episode of The Simpsons where Homer thinks there's an alien or something, and that keeps creeping in my head now and again for just random reasons. I don't know The Simpsons that well. I, I, it's very unlikely that that reference is stuck in my head. I have watched plenty of The Simpsons, mm. but I just don't remember that. Um, 
Charlie, I, th- I take it from what you just said that you're completely in agreement that ghosts are awesome. Yeah, I fucking love ghosts. Um, I got into them a lot later because I had a period of not listening to any new music because I was horribly depressed and burnt out at uni. Um, and now I was sort of maybe thinking about what if I listened to new music and I picked up a copy of Metal Hammer that had a ghost C- song on like some sampler CD. And uh, I think it pretty sure it's Square Hammer. Um, and after that, I was like, yes, and then got into loads of new music. So if you're going to yeah. come back for one song, actually, Square Hammer is like yeah. one of the best songs of the 21st century, particularly in terms of yes. just like songs, like four minutes, first chorus, first chorus, the end. It's I always remember like that EP dropping and the first song and it was um, that. And I just went, fuck me. Why is that not Ameliora? That's it, that would be the best song. In fact, that would be the best song on virtually any album. There are very, very yeah. few albums that have got a song better than Square Hammer on them. Sons of Winter and Stars by Winter Sun. Okay, that song would be really weird on Mammal by Ultra Plagues. But, you know, other than that, <laughs> I obviously think they're fucking great. I, I will say, I still don't think Enfestissimam is good. I think it's, I don't think it's awful, but I don't think it's very good. I think uh, Year Zero is great, and there's the like the old other song on there. I'm just like, yeah, that's fine if they play that live, that's okay. But there's a lot of songs in there where I'm like, well, if they play that live, I'm going to the Lou and the Bar because in fact there'll be quite a long queue for some of them if it's emphasis to man because it's not their most popular album, I don't think. I'm going to respectfully disagree with that. Like, I really like it, but I think it's because probably it was the first one I ended up listening to. Right. Well, Whereas I kind of was essentially indoctrinated to listen to the first one, whether I liked it or not, by a certain company I was keeping at that point, and just went, yeah, this is very good. And only like six months later went, you fucking idiot, this is a classic. Why did you just say, yeah, it's fine? Um, I think there's a real charm about that first one still. But yeah. I don't want them to go back and keep and do more like it. I much prefer what he's doing now. But just as like a, as a moment in time, as a... It's like, 35 40 minutes it's quite short as a, an album that it just kind of stick on for that time it is flawless and there is a real charm to it i think though that they were a band still on the up mm. because i reckon this is their best record without really needing to think about it very much i thought then before that i thought it was meliora i think still think meliora is fucking great i thought um uh, not masquerade that was the song um prequel was really good too but just kind of I think it was because He Is was on Meliora and I had such a brilliant relationship with that song that it was very, very difficult for anything to top it and Prequel was just kind of unfortunate. And then this came out and I went, ah, that's better. I th- I think it's marvellous. Um, also, they're totally gay, right? Just as a band. that's They're, <laughs> yes, they're yeah. gay as all hell. So gay that I forget that straight people like ghosts sometimes <laughs> <laughs> and then i'll see someone who is clearly very straight writing their opinion about ghost and how much they like them but and i'm like that's weird yeah it's like finding a straight person who likes abba <laughs> oh no actually lots of people like no, abba it's like finding cool. a straight person who like girls aloud mm. uh, on to why this song specifically is a camp classic uh, and it's not just that ghosts are you know the gayest thing that doesn't involve an erection. Uh, we could, we could have picked. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! I'll just wait for Matt to recover and then we'll carry on. Because um, I could have picked any song to um, to do that about, right? Like that's not really. And also, it's, that would be low hanging fruit. That's just kind of too easy. It's like 
goes to really get yes i know and you know, like kiss are quite like camp and old what's your point um did we have anything here that spoke to our queer sides specifically this song uh, let's start with charlie yeah so i mean when you said should we do this song i immediately was like hell yeah because i think lyrically theme wise it's very i'm gonna to struggle to find the words to explain this i think but uh it's kind of that queer community feeling almost like you'll never walk alone you can always reach me but you know is exactly where i was coming same same here yeah it's not subtle is it no. it's very much the you know, it's solidarity like i'm the, I'm going to sound like I watched the film Pride last night because like, yesterday afternoon because me and my better half wanted a like movie afternoon on Sunday um, and Pride's on Netflix and I hadn't um, neither of us had seen it and I went oh let's watch this it's got lots of things I like it's got leftist politics it's got gays it's got um, it's got whales you know it's lots of things that are close to my heart um, in the many years that that film has been out how have you not managed to see it before I don't I don't watch all that many films I haven't either so. We're both, me and Tom are both like, I'm the only one now that hasn't seen it, I think. Oh, okay, maybe, maybe it was the era when I was at uni, but it was constantly, everyone was like, should we watch a film? Should we watch Pride? Yeah, I was, when it came out, I was like 29. No, I was nearly 30, I think. So, uh, you know, it would have been quite difficult. If I was still at uni, I would have been quite slow. But no, it's, it, it's one thing that I kept meaning to watch. Um, I think I was, I was slightly put off by... Uh, George McKay being in it because he's kind of a bit of a harbinger of doom and he's a good actor who's been in some awful films like 1917 was dreadful it was an absolute load of tosh and just kind of made no sense was like total gimmick really annoyed me um and uh there was something else he was in that was rubbish when he was even younger that I just kind of he's got anytime I see his face I'm like that film's going to be bad um, and this proved me wrong. Uh, I, I should have watched it soon, though, because Andrew Scott's in it, and he's wonderful. Yeah. He's just brilliant in everything. Amazing actor. Seems like a lovely person. Has an absolutely amazing voice. Talent for accents that is quite un un unsettling, actually, because he manages to do virtually anything reasonably convincing. And I have occasionally seen him actually talk without an accent in a film, which was really strange. Uh, like, is it, he was in a, a film called Handsome Devil, which is, again, very gay, um, uh, where he's uh, actually allowed to do a Dublin accent because he's from there. Uh, and the film's set just outside Dublin. Um, no, I was totally with this. I was totally going for the kind of the solidarity thing of, you know, we're all really on the same side and there is a community of people who will just kind of reach out and support you if you want them obviously the song is actually about lucifer being the one who can empower you and set you free but it also just sounds like the queer community talking to either the closeted person who doesn't really know that they they are who they actually are yet and they're still trying to work it out and they just kind of say you can always reach us if you need us we'll be there um but it's also to the person who's struggling, who needs someone, because that happens to us quite a lot at the moment, I've noticed. It's mm. it, it, it's not a very fun time the last couple of years, because it seems there's more and more stuff which is kind of creeping in of kind of quite pernicious phobia to all parts of the community. Like it's, obviously, they've started with transphobia being the kind of the, the way in thing because it was becoming very socially unacceptable to be homophobic in public. 
um, and they've kind of used transphobia to kind of start slipping some of those terms in. But it's there now. People are just born openly being homophobic again in public. And I'm going, oh, we've slid back about five years in space of two. And it's really frustrating. So the kind of the voice being there to say, there's lots of us here. You're not, you're never going to be alone is kind of one that we need. I think maybe that's mm. just me. No, I agree with you. Um, it's extending that hand of comfort to everyone in the queer community. Um, which is kind of a thing that I feel like ghosts do a lot and is why so many queer people like ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it is doing Lucifer very much as the guiding light as the friend who's there, not as, as, I mean, it's why Luciferianism is kind of interesting because painting, you know, redrawing the Bible as actually God was the bad guy. He was the guy who was trying to keep you ignorant and hateful and make you feel scared and ashamed of who you are. And Lucifer is the one who's saying, it's fine. You're going to be okay. I'll show you how you can do it. That's kind of very attractive to, <laughs> to people like us who've had, you know, had certain people shout at us and say, you know, we're disgusting or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, to go with the community thing again, I also see it as as being newly out kind of thing. The community is willing to kind of help me on my way along kind of thing as well. And trying to keep me away from the wrong path, so to speak. In what sense? In what sense the wrong path trying to uh, keeping you kind of from denying who you are? Yeah, that kind of thing, and uh, as well, just to just to kind of say, well, yeah, you do exist. I know there's a lot of people that say you don't exist. Your sexu- your sexuality doesn't exist, but you do, and you're just as valid as the rest of us. Yeah, it's why uh, one of the reasons I get very frustrated when you've got one bit of the community that wants to kind of be an arsehole to another one of mm. us. Like they, I, I can't. There's nothing I find more annoying than than the gays who are just like, would you get off the fence to buy people? Because I'm just, oh fuck off. Yeah. Just because you, just because you only like cock doesn't mean that everyone else does. <laughs> it's not like it's not very complicated. Some people like both. Some people like one. Just shut the fuck up and stop pretending you know what other people are thinking or feeling or anything. Sorry, and it's is. I don't know if, how much time anyone here has spent on Grinder, but the, I I get really fucking annoyed at the no femmes um, gays. So, well, one, fuck off. Two, that's like, really stupid. So what you don't find people who are quite camp attractive, and then like you hear them if you ever rent into one of them, they talk and they they're so like that, and they're like, they're just fabulous and old darling, and they're just. And they're just trying to kind of say, no, I'm not camp at all. And you're like, well, I've, there's so many people I've met like that who are really kind of, there's just that, that hint of internalized homophobia left that they're really afraid of the femme and that they they, they don't really like camp. Mm. And meanwhile, their hand just just is going everywhere. And darling, if you get them onto Madonna, oh my God. And it's, <laughs> uh, But I'm not camp. And I've met that guy many times, and oh fuck me, oh, then, hard then, work. Then you'll see, then you'll see store on their Instagram stories them at like the Hutton brunch or whatever, going yay and drink down into prosecco. And you're like you said, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. And it it's all it's all because like so many of us grow up being ashamed of who we are. Mm. I swear we just people are afraid of, of being what they really are because they think that it's like it's you know there's this thing in ancient Greece where you know supposedly there were homosexuals who were allowed but you couldn't you could never be if you were like a free man and you were an adult you could never be the bottom because that was what slaves and women do and like that if you were, if you actually wanted that you it meant made you meant you're somehow kind of less of a man which is bollocks obviously but you know it was like 400 BC we can kind of it's kind of hard to judge them by today's standards. Now, though, <laughs> if people are like, well, I, it's fine to be gay, but I can't really be camp because that's I don't really like that. It's a bit too feminine. I'm still a man. It's like, well, yes, but... No one's saying you're not a man. No yeah. one's saying you're not a man. You're just camp. It's like gay men have been camp for thousands of years. Gay men aren't even the only ones who are camp sometimes. Mm. No, that's true. There are plenty of like the camp. I've said on this podcast before. The campus me, man I knew, I probably one of the campus men I've ever known was a confirmed heterosexual, and was just was really comfortable about his like gender presentation. In that he's going, he said, "Well, I'm going to look and dress like a man because I am, and I'm going to mince around because that's fine. I'm going to flounce yeah, around good. and be theatrical, darling." Mad after my own heart, clearly. Because um, <laughs> I used to be in total denial about it, and then I went, well, I am quite camp. I'm not like, I'm not, I'm never going to be Julian Clary, mm. but at the same time, I'm never going to be, uh, what's that actor who was in that really terrible Second World War film? Luke Evans. Is that his name? Was also in The Alienist. Very good looking, very Welsh. Yeah, probably is Luke Evans then. Yep, um, and was, and was in, um, Oh, he was in the terrible Hobbit films. I think he was Gaston in the Beauty and the Beast remake as well. Was he? Now that I can believe, because he's he is very very good looking. Looking like he's not camp. Mm. Very gay, but not camp. And there's loads of us, dear. It's like there's, we're all going to come in different shapes and sizes. And like it, it really. I know I can't really, I shouldn't really judge people because I've been there myself, but it really does irritate me that there's this stigma attached to being some quote unquote more gay than others. It's mm. like, well, if you exclusively fancy men, you're gay. There's no That's... like more or less. It's like when people put straight acting gay on like. What does that mean? You you don't you you like fancy men, but you don't suck cock. What does you, you just in denial like? It's very weird. Just I, I'm gay, but all I do, the only thing that I suck is clitoris. That's it. I, I'm on, only interested in fellatio if it's on a woman. That, that's what straight acting is, right? It doesn't uh, doesn't matter how butch or mincy you are. If you if you're fucking a guy in the ass, you're gay, or it's homosexual sex anyway. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I don't know how I got from ghost to that, but. I mean, how did you get from ghost to gay sex? I can't ever imagine oh, how it not... got there. Mm. Let's see. Yeah, actually, I know exactly how I got there, and in fact, in fact, I'm fairly sure there are plenty of other men who got there too. I blame um, I blame the monstrous monstrous clock, and I say clock. <laughs> yes, and uh, and uh, I blame he is, which just I still think is like really romantic song about a man, and then I'm like, oh no, it's about Satan. Oh no. 
Have you ever have you ever heard the version of he is where Have I ever heard the virgin? No version. <laughs> oh right. The version Sorry, of... I thought I thought you meant something else. <laughs> and uh, there's a version of it with um Alison Mosshart from the Kills. No, I don't think I do. I w- I'm not sure I'd like it though cuz it's it'd be less gay. Mm, it's maybe. Man or woman. I just want it to be like two men having, you know, oh, yeah. a lovely romantic time and then fucking for Satan. Um, <laughs> fuck me in the ass because I love Satan. Remember that? Um, <laughs> anyone who hasn't heard me talk about that song is going to be really confused now. <laughs> That's the way I'm going to leave it. I think that is Call Me Little Sunshine by Ghost Explained. Uh, we will have another Camp Classic for you next week when uh, Liberation will be up by Catatonia will be up for discussion, and there are no prizes in advance for guessing which three of us picked it, because if you listened to last week's show, it should be blatantly obvious. Um, fair? Yeah. yeah, it was me. <laughs> well, surprising no one. Yeah, yeah, very much surprising no one at all. Uh, we will also be celebrating a moment one of the biggest bands in metal right now put up their hands in support of the LGBTQ plus community in a way that mattered. I say I say that in the past tense. It's still happening. And actually, it kind of it kind of current hasn't happened yet. It's it's been announced and it's happening soon. But anyway, it's really current. It's a nice one. We're also going to have music for HGBs in the shape of Terminal Nation and Cruelty, Goza and Final Light, but that is all we have for HBFM 84. Matt and Charlie, it has been um, digressy and great fun. <laughs> yeah, it's been great. And uh, we somehow managed to get on to fucking quite quickly this week. <laughs> it's also the title of my sex tape. <laughs> <laughs> you had to get one in there. I had to. I was uh, about that's to. Another uh... one. That's another title. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I missed that one. <laughs> See what you two are doing to me, damn it. Oh, you know you already like this. You just uh, I'm just setting you free. <laughs> I just unlocked the cage. I didn't I didn't teach you to fly, I just unlocked the cage. Uh, until next week then. Uh, listen to Shooting Daggers, listen to Creator, listen to Undeath, listen to Excrin, and remember, you will never walk alone. You can always reach us. You'll never walk alone. And it does get better. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.